Hey guys, welcome back. It's episode 13. Can you believe we have 13 episodes already? It's crazy. Um, it's just before spring break. We thought we'd do something a little bit lighter. So we have Patrick here with us, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about metal music because that's his like forte, and he's really passionate about it, and it makes me happy listening to him talk about it. So, Patrick, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, all right. Um, my name is Patrick. I am a student here at... MAS, Media Arts and Sciences. I'm a 3D graphics and animation student, focusing more on the graphics side. I found that I'm not a big fan of animating, but I really like modeling and texturing. I'm a junior, probably like a first semester junior or whatever, so uh, things are going well in that regards. But yeah, metal. Metal is great. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I listen to a lot of music, but primarily I listen to a lot of metal. A lot of different kinds, uh, like Doom, Sludge, Stoner, Black. I'm not a big fan of Slam. That stuff is, like, even too heavy for me. But um, I guess another name for that is Brutal, which is, like, Slam and Brutal. That's just, like, super intense stuff right there. But um, Death is cool. Well, I mean, Death, <laughs> death Metal is cool. So, uh, so, yeah, I really like metal. But, yeah, so I guess... In lieu of Women's Month in March, yeah, March being Women's Month, I'll talk a little bit about women in metal, mostly current women in metal, or at least current bands that feature women as like vocalists or as the frontmen, because I don't know a whole lot about the history of older metal, even like as a whole. Like I don't listen to a whole bunch of like Metallica or Black Sabbath or stuff, just because I've never got around to listening to older bands. But yeah, I guess from what history I do know, I would say, I guess I would attribute the rise of women in like heavier music or like in hard rock and stuff to like Lita Ford, Joan Jett, and Izzy Hale. I know those three used to be like all in a band together, but that was back during like the 70s or 80s or something. And then eventually they split up to do their own thing. And then from there, I feel like during the 80s or whatever, there was like a huge rise in like glam metal or pop metal or whatever that would be considered. So like stuff with like the fabulous outfits and like the crazy hair and the high-pitched screaming or yelling and stuff like that. In the 90s, I feel like that kind of gave way just to like pop. And so then that's what like everyone caught on to. So you saw a bunch of artists going more towards the pop route, especially female artists, because I mean, their voices were just really good for that. So then, with the rise of pop, that became the mainstream thing. But then I want to say, like, maybe during, like, the mid two thousand, like, the early to mid-2000s, you know, people started trying to branch out again, moving away from pop. And then it was really bands kind of like Paramore, Flyleaf, I Wrestled a Bear Once, and Evanescence that really, like, I guess brought women back into not really the forefront, but just like showed that women could also be a part of heavier bands or play a more prominent role in heavier sounding bands. Like Flyleaf was, I guess, kind of post-hardcore, a little bit on the verge of like low-key metal type sound. and then <laughs> Low-key metal. <laughs> yeah. Um, Paramore was like a pop punk band. Evanescence was just like a, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I would describe Evanescence, but Evanescence are wild. Yeah, but like you know, everyone knows who Evanescence is. True. And then I wrestled the bear once was just like a, a really intense, 
post-hardcore band with like lots of screaming, just like nonstop screaming. So, but yeah, so I feel like those bands in the mid 2000s helped probably get a lot of younger, like a lot of the younger generation into that type of music. And then honestly, I see them as kind of like a gateway, gateway bands (laughs) into like, (laughs) into like heavier stuff that you, that people would, or that people could want to check out now. So like a lot of the bands that I've been listening to just like seem like an evolution of the sound that they kind of had in the mid 2000s. For example, on the death side of things, there's like Entheos, there's Ethis, E-T-H-S, which is like some sort of, I think they're a French band. There's Doom bands like Subrosa, who's from Arizona, and they're really cool because like they have two girls and two guys in the band, but like the two girls do vocals as well as like they play violins throughout the music or something like that. I just know violins play a prominent part in their sound, but they're really low and heavy and intense and powerful, but like not screamy, growly low, just like their music just sounds really brooding and it's really cool. And then there's like Dreadnought from Denver who are like a really weird atmospheric black metal band that has two female vocalists, one which does clean vocals and then one which screams. But then they also toss in like a whole bunch of different types of instruments like flutes and clarinets and wind instruments and stuff. And that stuff is really far out, but really tight. Let's see. There's a bunch of black metal bands like Oathbreaker. They're from Germany. They came to town last year and that was a really cool show because the the vocalist like switches from like really delicate, intimate, like just like soft singing and then all of a sudden shifts to like really harsh shrill screaming vocals and it's like a weird juxtaposition but it works really well with like how intense the music can get or how soft it can be let's see some more bands i guess i could talk about there's worm ouroboros they're like a really heavy i don't know they're heavy they're cool (laughs) they're heavy with like not screaming at all just like a a woman singing and that's really tight there's like oceans of slumber which is a tight progressive metal band from Texas. So yeah, I feel like there's a lot of bands out there that feature women pretty prominently. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Breaking into the industry. Yeah. We had talked about before that um, we're going to have you set up a Spotify playlist with a lot of these people on it. I don't know if all of them are on Spotify, but I feel like the majority of them probably are. So you guys can you know, check out all of these metal women. <laughs> Sounds like they're the Tin Men from <laughs> Wizard of Oz. But you guys will get a chance to listen to some of them if you want to, you know, if metal's not your thing. I still think you should give it a chance, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's not all, like, when people think metal, they think, like, screamy, growly, really intense, heavy stuff. And as far as the music goes, yes, it usually is intense, but that doesn't mean it's all, like, permeated by intense vocals, too. Right. And for those of you people out there that are like, I don't I don't like listening to things that I don't understand what they're saying. Even so, like, think of like the vocals as just another instrument. That's what I do. And even if I don't understand what they're saying, then it's just like, well, it sounds cool. So when I was in choir, like in high school, they always told us that your vocals are like the most powerful instrument. So we would always refer to them as instruments anyway. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think even if you don't like metal music, I think there are qualities about it that you can admire. Definitely. Like those musicians put like a lot of effort and thought into into like constructing their songs, like every part that goes along with it. 
And you can tell because, like, I don't know how to explain it, but... There's a lot of emotion behind a lot of them. Yeah. Like, a lot of the songs are really deep. Like, you wouldn't think so at the surface level, but, like, if you actually, like, listen into them, Mm -hmm. they're really deep. Yeah, like, if you go and check out their lyrics, you're like, wow, this is, like, this can be, like, really powerful stuff for even just listening to the composition of the music. It's just, like... You know, some of them are like, I myself am a fan of like really long songs. And I mean like eight minute plus long songs. Yeah. And like the fact that they can like make songs that are that long and like not have any parts like repeat themselves over like spans of minutes and stuff. It's like, I think it's like well-written stuff. I agree. There are definitely qualities that you can admire in all kinds of music. I think you should at least listen to things once. If you don't like it, you don't like it. It's fine. But... Mm -hmm. There's still things that you can pick away from it that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like finding appreciation in things, even if you don't necessarily like it yourself. Yeah. I've seen a few heavier, I don't know, some of them were pretty metal, because I think Colin's band was the lightest one on the bill, and they're like, they're like heavy pop punk. Not quite so metal, but like heavy pop punk. As heavy as you can get while still being pop punk, that's <laughs> Colin's band. But I've seen them live, and they were the lightest people on the bill, but the people that they played a show with, they were really heavy. And it was at the Hoosier Dome, so I don't know if you've been to the Hoosier Dome or not, but they play some pretty, like... They they feature artists that are pretty, like, heavier, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, that's the crowd that they typically draw in. Yeah. And I don't remember who who the headlining band of this show was, but they were so heavy, and it was wild. And just watching them play it live is, wow. Like, people do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love going to, to metal shows just because of how energetic and intense not only the bands are, but how that energy passes on to the crowd. And yeah. then the crowd reflects, like, the band itself. Because, like, you, get, you see people, like, running around in pits or just, like, moshing against one another. And that stuff is super tight. I mean... Depending on who you are, it sucks if you might be, like, on the edge of the pit or something, but yeah. But it's still just really cool to see, to, like, have that transfer of energy go from, like, the band to the crowd and then back to the band because the crowd is so hyped from the band or and the band is so hyped from the crowd and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's always that, um, I don't know, people joke all the time about, oh, I'm going to start a circle pit at, um, like a Justin Bieber concert or just somebody who's like not even remotely like you wouldn't have a pit there at all like mm-hmm. if you had a pit it'd be like a general admission pit but not like <laughs> a mosh pit mm-hmm. type thing I'm just like mm, should you at a Justin Bieber concert dude I'm sure there would be people that would join in yeah anyway. people would die <laughs> Justin Bieber fans are wild they're intense yeah definitely A lot of the cool things about live metal shows is, like, you were talking about the Hoosier Dome. Like, that usually brings, like, bigger acts. I'm going to throw out some names, but, like, Whitechapel or maybe even Between the Buried and Me, Periphery, probably. Probably something like In This Moment, even, maybe. But just, like, bigger names that have been around for years and have already been established. And so... I don't know what the seating is like in Hoosier Dome. Is it just like a bunch of seats and then a pit on the bottom or something? Uh, There are no seats in it at all. It's really weird the way it's set up. It's like probably the weirdest venue I've been to, actually. It's essentially like a big open room. At the far end, they have the stage. And then along the sides, they have tables set up where the bands can sell their merch if they want to. And then everything else is just open. So it's all general admission, kind of like you walk in. It almost looks like an indoor skate shop without 
any of the ramps or anything. Like, it's just a big open room. And then they have, like, a little concession stand type thing towards the back. But, I don't know. That's really big, and it's really open, and it's a little bit sketchy. Mm-hmm. But it was fine. I was only there for a few hours. It was fine. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Then, um, speaking of other venues that are around here that bring metal, there's, like, the Emerson. That's a big one. Yeah. It's extremely hit or miss, in my opinion. I went to there a couple weeks ago. It was a crowd of about 40 to 50 for a band called The Number 12 Looks Like You, and that was an extreme hit. That was, like, a really good show. Yeah. The crowd was a lot of fun and energetic and passionate because this was a band that had previously been broken up for, like, seven years or something. And so this is their first tour since they since getting back together. And so people there were, like, kind of an older crowd because this was a band that was, like, more of a thing, like, 10 or 12 years ago. Okay. So that was a lot of fun. Then there's... I want to give a shout-out to the Fifth Quarter Lounge. They are a really cool metal bar that is actually closing, which is unfortunate, but they've got like two more months that they're going to be around and they're going to they're going to try and like fill their schedule with shows until they end up closing. So anyone that's like 21 and over, try and catch something there. There is a place called the Hi-Fi, which is in Fountain Square. There's actually going to be a band that I meant to talk about, Windhand. They have a female vocalist named Dorothea Cottrell, and she's got like a really deeper, more calming voice. But like she doesn't scream or anything in her vocals, and like her band Windhand is like considered funeral doom. So it's like even more heavy and depressing sounding than like regular doom, but it's really cool. But yeah, they're gonna be at the Hi Fi. I don't know the exact date, but that would be a show worth checking out. Other venues, there's the Vogue. They have metal bands every now and then, like Dillinger Escape Plan, who is a band that's breaking up this year. They played there during their final tour in the U.S. last year. That was a cool show. I don't know a lot of them that play. Uh, I just knew the Emerson and the Hoosier Dome. Hmm. As far as like other like little local spots, like I'm not, I'm not sure about. Hmm. I just turned 21 though too, and a okay. lot of them are <laughs> like 21 plus kind of thing. So. Hmm. Oh, there's Kuma's Corner, which is a metal-themed burger bar, or like a restaurant. It's open all ages, but I know they are starting to feature shows in like some lot that they have across the street, which is really cool. But I think they only have that kind of stuff during the warm weather. What's the, the biggest metal show you've been to? Biggest? Yeah. Like had the biggest crowd, like the biggest turnout kind of thing. I don't Probably, I guess, technically... Warp tour, but I don't know if that would be called a show because that's more of like a like a smaller scale festival or something. Right. A long time ago, when I lived in Denver, I went to the Taste of Chaos tour, and they aren't metal bands. They're a bunch of like scene bands that were really popular back then. But the lineup was like Thirty Seconds to Mars, Seosin, Chiodos, Eveline, maybe Aiden, and then there was. I think one more, but yeah, it was like a, I don't know, it was like a scene kids dream come true lineup or something. Yeah. <laughs> I knew, I, I loved every, oh yeah, and I think The Used, The Used was also on there. Okay. And it was like, oh, that was an awesome show. And that was like a huge turnout. There were probably like hundreds of people there. But it was, um, I think it was a venue kind of like old, not Old National Center. Actually, yeah, I think kind of like Old National Center. But, uh, or no, Banker's Life, that one. That's okay. where that's where the basketball people play, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like that, only maybe like smaller. 
Okay. I was going to say old national centers. Those are pretty small rooms. <laughs> yeah. Like they fit all those people into one room. Yeah, not that one. Actually, probably the biggest ones that I've been to in Indiana would either be Mastodon or Between the Buried and Me. Okay. They played at the Egyptian Room several years ago. I mean, they weren't in the same show, but they were they both had just like huge turnouts. The Egyptian Room is my favorite venue. Yeah. Mhm. Oh yeah, that's a, that's there we go. That's another place that plays metal. There you yeah. go, the Egyptian Room or the Marat or Oral National, I don't know, whichever one. I've seen shows in the Deluxe as well as the Egyptian Room, but I like the Egyptian Room better. It's mm-hmm. bigger. Also, like, have you been to the Deluxe? I don't think I've been to that one, but the other two, yeah. It's at, it's at the Old National Center, but it's, like, down in the basement, and it's just kind of sketchy, and it almost looks like a little dance studio because mm-hmm. there are mirrors, like, all along the sides. But it's just, like, it's a lot smaller, and you feel very claustrophobic in there, mm-hmm. I feel like. But I saw Bryce Fine. And the deluxe. And I don't know who that is. That's not um not metal. Cool. Kind of on the rap side, so did the crowd get as crazy as a metal crowd though? In its own way. Like probably there wasn't any like hardcore pushing or anything, but mm-hmm. I don't know, like people get really hype. I I feel like that's at most concerts though. Unless you're going to like I don't know, I feel like Ed Sheeran concerts are really chill. Mm-hmm. The nineteen seventy five concert was really chill. It kinda just depends on the artist, I feel. Okay. Any crowd surfing or stage diving at any of these concerts? No. Indeed, <laughs> <laughs> that's a I staple wish. for metal shows, which may or may not be a bad thing depending on the venue. I know the Emerson, for example, they give you stamps that say no stage diving, so that's a thing. Whereas, like, actually, I don't even know venues that may or may not allow stage diving anymore. But at the number 12 Looks Like You show, there was a stage diver. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some artists will actually, like, incorporate into their show. Like, if they have a pit of people, then they'll go out in the pit kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I saw 21 Pilots over the summer, Josh done, like, their drummer. They put, like, a little drum kit in the crowd, and, like, people held him up while he was drumming on top of them. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Joseph, like, the other one, ran out in, like, a hamster ball across the people mm-hmm. in the pit, which was crazy. But That's cool. It was... I wish I was in the pit. <laughs> but <laughs> I was not. Yeah, that's like Dillinger Escape Plan. They the um the artist for that, when I saw that show, the singer he went out into the crowd and then just like held him had him he's he stage dived and then like the crowd just held him up while he was singing and stuff, which is really cool. Have you ever stage dived? Yes. Was and, it fun? Uh, yes. It was so scary though. And I've also crowd surfed, which is not as scary but still Okay. Yep. But then um during the number twelve show, the singer got off of the stage and like since it was only a crowd of like 40 or 50 he was able to like go through the crowd pretty easily and then he just like ran in a pit here like he started a pit and then ran with everybody and stuff (laughs) and that was really cool imagine starting your own pit like at your own show that'd be cool i I, to me that'd be empowering i'd be like i did this yeah (laughs) yeah these are my people but don't hurt yourselves (laughs) but keep going yep oh yeah um all right, so at Fifth Quarter, the, the the bar music venue, last year there was a band called Daikaiju. They're an instrumental surf rock band that are Japanese-based in that they have, like, kaiju monsters, like the big monsters like Godzilla that you see in Pacific Rim and stuff. Okay. They base their aesthetics off of those monsters. They're, like, five dudes all in, like, Japanese kabuki masks, which are just, like, theater masks or something like that. And they don't speak at all during their their set. They just, like, play around and, like, move the crowd with gestures and stuff. And so it was a smallish crowd of about, like, 30 to 40. 
So what they did is they played their initial song on the stage, which is just like kind of in the very middle of the bar and it's not even very high up, maybe like a foot off the ground. Then they took all their instruments off the stage and set it up to the side in between the stage and the bar. And then they beckoned the crowd to just like gather around them while they played just like in between everybody. And then even that, like from there, the lead guitarist would like beckon people to do what he wanted. So like, for example, people in the crowd lifted him up to like the, to the top of the bar and then he would just play his guitar from there and then dance on the bar. He had them set the chairs up through the crowd in a way that he could like walk across the chairs through the crowd and stuff. And that was just like a really crazy, energetic, high octane show. I feel like that's really interactive. It was extremely interactive. There would be times where like the second guitarist would just like hold up his guitar to the crowd and then have people strum during the songs and stuff like that. There was a song where the drummer set his cymbals on fire. He just like poured lighter fluid on them and then just like lit them and banged them and stuff. And that was really cool and dangerous, but it was so cool. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then towards the end, they just like gave their instruments to the crowd and then walked away when they were done playing and then just had people play whatever. Hmm. Yep, that was probably one of the craziest shows that I've ever been to. I kind of wish more more shows were like interactive like that maybe not necessarily like lighting your drums on fire kind of interactive but just like you know mm -hmm. doing more than like hi insert whatever state you are like are you guys doing okay tonight kind of thing you know like actually go out and through the crowd do things i feel like part of that plays into like just how big or how popular the bands True. are you would never be able to like do that with like a or you would never see a mega pop star do that because there's just like they sell out stadiums and then there's just like way too many people to like do something like that. But yeah. on the other side of that, they get like, they have the money to show on these like massive performances, like not just a concert, but then they also have like lots of effects and probably singers and dancers and stage things happening and stuff. True. Whereas like, I feel like to make up for it, smaller bands like the ones I usually see, because they're in like such smaller venues and have such smaller crowds, they're able to participate with the crowd a lot more. I agree. I've talked about Ed Sheeran before, but I have liked him since like he was like not even known really in the mm. United States. And his like first, no, it was his second tour that he did here. It was all general admission concerts. So he played at the Egyptian Room. It was like the first time that I'd gone to see him. And he used to do this thing where he would make the entire crowd like go silent and he would just sing without his microphone. And he, he tried to do it as well whenever he was opening for Taylor Swift during her like red tour and it like worked kind of but like to do it with that amount of people like inside of an arena mm -hmm. is kind of difficult to do and so then whenever he did his own like arena tours kind of thing he didn't do it anymore which is it made me really sad because I'm like oh dang it's the end of an era kind of <laughs> thing like it's not as interactive as it once was but yeah. like still good I do think it does play a lot into like how many people you have to control Mm -hmm. And then once you become so big, I feel like it also becomes a safety hazard for a lot of the artists. Like, they wouldn't be able to walk off the stage without getting, like, mauled. Oh, most definitely. And plus you have, like, security to worry about, too. Yeah. And, like, they, I mean, it's their job to make sure the artists are okay. So even if, like, the band wants the crowd to do things, it's not necessarily in, like, the best interest for the security people to to let that happen. True. There have been times where, like, I've seen Panic at the Disco a couple of times, like this past year, and he did a backflip at one of, at one of the venues, and 
they were like yelling at him in his in ears, so he was like talking over the mic, like, "Oh, am I supposed to just stand here and not do anything?" No, like even like what kind of show is that? I feel like if it's an artist doing like his own stunt, then it should be okay. Like I don't see why he should get flack for that. Yeah, I think it's liability reasons, but oh, I guess like maybe it looks the makes the venue look bad if they were to get if they were to injure themselves at their stage or something. Yeah. I don't know. Go out to metal concerts and you'll get to see crazy antics like that. Last year I saw a band called Barishi. They're from Vermont. They were one of the openers for a band called Weed Eater. Barishi had a front man who was like he's really kind of like he's like fit but really skinny, okay. but he's like kind of he's pretty athletic looking though. So he would just like do backflips on stage and stuff and like just like move around and thrash around a lot and it was really cool. <laughs> Every time somebody does a backflip, I'm just like, wow. Just standing up and they do a backflip, I'm like, I'm amazed. Yeah, it was really impressive. I would break my neck. I'm not even gonna try. I like to think that one day I'll get there. Yeah. Well, I've never tried it, but like the day I do try it, I'll just do it perfectly. So <laughs> maybe on a trampoline. <laughs> my brothers are really into free running. And one of them actually has, like, he started, like, a free-running company, and they make T-shirts, and it's, like, their whole brand kind of thing. But he, he'll, like, run and, like, do backflips or whatever off walls or, like, jump off of buildings, like, flip off of them. And I'm just like, you're going to die. Like, <laughs> you're really going to die. You need to stop. But I don't know. It makes him happy, so I just try not to watch it. But he's going to die. <laughs> he broke his back doing backflips when he was 18. Uh-huh. He's 23 now. But he broke his back because he was doing backflips off of the shed and his, like, foot slipped. So then he didn't actually, like, do the flip. But he fell, like, off of, like, a 10-foot shed and oh. hit the ground and broke his back. That was intense. I feel like that was probably one of, like, the scariest things. Indeed, that sounds really brutal. But, like, he kept going after that, apparently. Yeah, because yeah, he's really dumb. <laughs> I respect him for living his life how he wants to, though. Yeah, I love him, but he's dumb. <laughs> That's how I feel about all of my brothers, actually. Mm-hmm. All three of them. I love you, but you're really dumb. <laughs> like, you need to stop for a second and think about what you're doing. And what, do they all, all three of them do free running? Yeah, pretty much. Like, my oldest brother is the one that started it, and then the other two kind of just, like, follow in his footsteps. Like, anything he does, they'll do. Okay. Yeah, it's like, oh, I got to be like Mike. So. What, like the song? Be like Mike? No, like my brother's name is Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like the song too. Spring break's coming up. Do you have plans? I'm going to Chicago. It's really cool. Yeah. I am finally celebrating my birthday with my my brother Mike, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, his kid and his girlfriend. We're all going to Chicago to go to the Shed Aquarium and meet the penguins. <laughs> but just me and his girlfriend. Like, the other two are just going to hang around the aquarium while we do that because you have to be six plus to meet them mm-hmm. and my nephew's only two so oh, okay. he can't get in plus i don't i wouldn't really trust him around live animals like that closely like no not a two-year-old mm-mm. well he was playing with my cat the other day and he like shoved her inside of like a little plastic container bin uh-huh. like not like really little you know it's like a decent size but he was like he just put her in there and was like pushing her around like it was some <laughs> kind of go-kart kind of thing uh-huh. and i'm just like what would you do if you like met penguins like would you just squeeze <laughs> them like he's only two he doesn't really know any better but yeah that's true my cat was all for it though she's like okay you can you can <laughs> do this today it's fine <laughs> Dude, maybe it's her new favorite thing. It might be. She's normally really, really catty. Mm-hmm. She's kind of mean. At least this one that he's pushing around. I have two. I don't know. Kids are weird. Are you doing anything for spring break? Um, not really. I mean, probably just hang out with people. 
sleep in a lot or play a lot of games. Over winter break, I like did some 3D work where I modeled and textured like the generation one Pokeballs. So like the Poke Great Ultra and Master Ball. And I was thinking of maybe just like keeping that up during like breaks and like doing each subsequent wait that's the word right or like doing whatever is the <laughs> next generation so like gen 2 would be next so like silver and gold pokeballs or i might just work on something else i at least want to try and get some kind of project done over break yeah mm-hmm. i saw all of your pokeballs i thought they looked really nice so cool. thank you i'm not a 3d person but they were very shiny they looked good so great that's what i was going for the do sleep. you play pokemon go no no I play, I play the DS games. Okay. I like the Game Boy DS games. I'm behind, though, because I haven't played Sun or Moon, although okay. I would really like to. Maybe you can texture and play at the same time. How well <laughs> would that work out? Probably not. Mm, yeah. I, I'll just, I believe like, in you. <laughs> I'll just like put a weight on my DS and then have my character move while I'm yeah. on my computer <laughs> or something. What other, what other kind of texturing stuff have you done? I guess for my final... Because I took lighting and texturing last semester, so that's like the continuation just like from intro to 3D, and then it like intro to 3D branches off into like a whole bunch of different things. So um, for texturing and lighting, I did, my final was a whole bunch of just fantasy objects, which I thought it turned out well, but then in class, a bunch of people pointed out how disproportionate things were. Is that the one with the glass? Yeah, with the glass and like the sword and the hammer and the cauldron. Okay. Yeah, besides the proportions, I think. Yeah. Well, each individual item looked really good. Very cool. Yeah. Just made me not together all at once. (laughs) But the glass, I was just like, wow, that's glass. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's the extent of it. I have a whole bunch of projects that I would like to try and tackle. There's a girl that made a really cool model of General Grievous for for her hard surface modeling final. And I would like to try and texture that. That would be really cool. Or like... In when I have a lot of free time, I like to put together like plastic Gundam models and stuff. Okay. So like the ones where you like clip out the little pieces and then put together by like following instructions and stuff. Mm-hmm. I would like to do that as well as model it in 3D while I while I put it together. So like clip out the pieces, model that in Maya, and then put them together, and then just like I guess rebuild it twice, once in like in real life and then once in 3D, and then texture that afterwards. I can't think of any other projects off the top of my head, but there's things I definitely want to do. Okay. What about St. Patrick's Day? Are you doing anything for that? Do you celebrate? I don't. No. My, my name's Patrick, but yeah. <laughs> I don't do anything for it, and I don't think I have. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll find a group of friends to just like go out and get drunk with, but I don't have anything planned. It, and that's like, I don't know, three or how far away is that? It's um, it's the ending Saturday of spring break, I think. Oh yeah, I don't. I, that's too far ahead for me to plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have like a lot of Irish in our family, so we've talked about before. Like my great great grandparents came like straight from Ireland, so we always like would do like green beer, but not a lot of the people in my family actually drink beer. So we'll do like green Seven Up, green like Sierra Mist kind of thing, mm-hmm. and then. Like they'll make like green eggs and ham for like breakfast, kind of. I know we we'll just sell eat a lot of green foods, and everybody wears green. And then for dinner, like everybody comes over, and we have corned beef and cabbage and potatoes because it's a very Irish meal. It's just kind of like tradition. But I'm gonna be in Chicago this year, so that's cool. I'm not gonna be eating corned beef this year for the 
for the river thing? I'm going to the the Shedd Aquarium that weekend, so I'll just be in Chicago that weekend, so I won't oh. be back to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Okay. So wait, is there not a river that they turn green in Chicago? Or is that somewhere else? They, I know they do. What's that big fountain in Washington, D.C.? I know they make that green. They don't, do they make the canal green? Uh, maybe. Like here? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I know they make it pink for like October. Um, but I don't know if they make it green. Do they make it green? They do make it green. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So they do the canal here. I'm not sure if they do anything in Chicago. They probably do. I'm mm-hmm. kind of nervous to be in Chicago for St. Patrick's Day, though. I feel like that's going to be a little wild. Probably. It'll just be a huge party. Yeah. I'm not a partier, so (laughs) who knows? Like, I am a partier, but only in certain friend groups. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't like to be around a bunch of intoxicated people kind of thing, unless they're, like, my children. I call my friends my children because they are. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I got to take care of all my kids when they're intoxicated, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to be around other people's kids when they're intoxicated. Yeah, so, you know, St. Patrick's Day in Chicago. It'll be interesting. I'll let you know how it goes afterwards. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. But I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. You know, we talked about a lot. Like we said, we'll put up a Spotify playlist so that you guys can listen to all of the middle music that Patrick recommended. Maybe you can tweet him or, like, Facebook him and give your opinions on it. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe you do. Tell us what you like about it or why you don't like it. But always state why. Don't just say you do or don't. <laughs> that's one of the main things in our major. Like, okay, you don't like it, but why don't you like it? Yep. Yeah, but other than that, thanks for coming on, Patrick. Yeah. And we're not going to post an episode for spring break. We're going to give Devin, our, our editor, a break because he deserves it. And, you know, it's spring break. So we won't see you next week, but we'll see you the week after. So thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Um, yeah. Guys, listeners, viewers, yeah, listeners. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, check out more metal. You know, give bands some a <laughs> give chance. metal a chance. <laughs> yeah, that one. But yeah, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. See you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, just one more thing before we go. Definitely listen to our next podcast because we have partnered with Ghost in the Shell, which is a movie that is coming out towards the end of March, and our next podcast is going to tell you exactly how you can win some cool merch and maybe some tickets to see the movie.